Welcome, I'm David Nurse, MBA shooting coach turned life optimization coach, speaker, author, leader of all types. On this show, we bring on high performers, athletes, CEOs, entrepreneurs, people doing amazing things in this world, but they weren't always at that spot. And we talk about how they got through their stuck situation and made their pivot to achieve their success. So join me every week as we pivot and go. I'm dreaming vivid, so I'm living my goals. Written to existence, you know I'm doing the most. I'm steady winning, having breakfast for dinner, cause I'm always giving the toast. I live that 1% of lifestyle, didn't you know? Doing what I can just to get in the zone. Incremental change to help you get in the flow. But if you hit the wall, gotta pivot and go. Switch your perspective and go for the goal. That ain't the end of the road, just pivot and go. Welcome back to another episode of the Pivot and Go podcast. Thank you for joining me today. You could literally be anywhere else in the world, but you're here with me to learn from this amazing guest that we have on today. He's a 20 years Navy SEAL. He is one of the top leaders, one of the top mindset coaches, and an amazing author. He's got this book out, Attributes. Phenomenal book. And it tells you about how it's not just about skill sets, but it's about the attributes that you have that are the separator. His name is Rich DeVinny. So Rich is going to teach us these Navy SEAL secrets, how to implement these tools of attributes into our lives and take ourselves to become optimal elite performers on a daily basis. So everybody, buckle up. Because Rich Devinny is about to blow your mind on YouTube, on Spotify, on the podcast app, anywhere podcasts are found. Rich Devinny, let's go. Pivot and go. Rich Devinny, welcome to the Pivot and Go podcast. Thank you for being on all the way from Virginia Beach. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. So good to be good. Good to be here with you, David. Thanks for having me. Rich, I just feel like, I mean, I have armor on me. I feel tougher. I feel stronger being around a Navy SEAL of 20 plus years. <laughs> like you are the epitome of who I want to be, an American badass. So thank you for all that you do, man. Well, that's, that's nice of you to say. Thank you. Well, let's start it off. So everybody knows the, the Navy SEAL, the high performance, like one of the top leaders. Literally, I would associate you with being one of the top leaders in the country, in the world. But start us off with a bang, something that maybe not everybody necessarily knows about you, something different. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's take away a little bit of the seal mystique, and I'll tell you that I am afraid of heights. I can't stand mm. them. Wow. And uh, and so every time I had to jump out of an airplane, it was it was a challenge for me. But uh, but again, the Navy SEAL. I mean, if you want to ask, if you want to if you want to know what the what makes Navy SEALs uh, you know, badass or lethal, it's not so much the fact that they're superheroes, it's the fact that they understand how to step into and maneuver inside of fear. Uh, and if you understand how to do that, then, then you, can, you can do things that seem impossible. So that's what I had to do every time I had to jump out of planes. Okay, so we're definitely going to get into that and in navigating your way through fear. I, I've parachuted one time, jumped out of a plane, and it was scary on the way up. I hate heights too. But once you got up there, it was kind of like the feeling of, okay, I'm not even in control anymore. So it's just whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Yeah, totally. I would say I would say the worst part about skydiving is the ride up, and then yeah. and then once you're off the ramp and you're out there, it's like it's actually pretty cool at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's and when you're up at high levels, like you know, ten, twelve thousand feet, suddenly they, that that ground rush disappears. So it's not like you're 
it's it's different than being say at um, at the top of a of a wall or or you know kind of lower than a thousand feet. So, but I think it almost brings us into a point really before we dive into it is the greatest control that you can have is knowing that you don't have control. And I I would imagine through being a Navy SEAL that's something that you have to come to terms with. Like you try to prepare yourself, you try to build yourself up with with battle armor, but really like at the end of the day, like you can prepare, but you're not in control. And that is a great piece to have. Is that true? Am I right on yeah. that point? Yeah, I would say I would rephrase the, the statement that you, um, you don't, you don't, uh, you understand that you, 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 you are not in control. It's more that you can't control everything. Um, and mm -hmm. that's really, uh, the, the, that's the secret to, con to operating an uncertainty, challenge and stress is the fact that you can always take control of something. Um, and that could be as large as the, 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 the speeding bus <laughs> or, or it could be as small as just controlling my breathing or controlling my thoughts in the nice. moment, you know. Um, but taking control of just even a one little thing allows you to start stepping um, through uncertainty, challenge and stress. So, so I think the, the, the idea is you can always control something. Uh, the, the trick is to figure out what that is in the moment. I like that. I like that. go. All right, so as you know, I am a nut for optimization. That's having your body and your mind at the highest level possible. So, I mean, I make a lot of protein smoothies, and I make them taste really, really good. But I have to know it has the highest quality ingredients. I don't want any of all this other junk that everybody throws in that you see at GNC. And I have found that brand, New Zest. They're plant-based ingredients, the purest and most potent source of nutrition to give you a powerful, well-balanced mix of essential vitamins and minerals. I'm telling you, the creamy vanilla, the matcha flavor, I'll mix it into smoothies, into yogurt. Sometimes I'll just open up the package and drink it straight. It's that good. And it's that good for you. New Zest. So New Zest is giving listeners to this podcast, this Pivot and Go podcast, a special deal. Lucky for you. If you look at the link below and in the show notes, you will see it's Pivot 15. Pivot 15 will give you 15% off any purchase at New Zest. NewZest.com Pivot 15. Get your protein powder upgraded. Go. Rich, on the Pivot and Go podcast, we always bring on people that have gone through a life pivot. It's not everybody just is where they are. They need to just get there. So was there a time in your life that really stands out where you felt, man, you know, kind of stuck and how you had to pivot and how you got on to be where you are today? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, SEAL training, the beauty of SEAL training is SEAL training itself is a massive pivot in many, uh, it's actually, a, a, it's a collection of many pivots, right? Because they're yeah. constantly asking you to do things that you're like, wow, I don't know if I can do that. And, um, and constantly putting you into um, uh, challenging situations, very stressful situations that, that basically break the body so that the mind may, um, may develop, right? Um, and so... Uh, and so I, I remember getting to SEAL training, for example, and I, I had never really run in soft sand, and you have to run in soft sands for long, long distances. And so, uh, and so I had to, um, I had to on the weekends. I was basically going to practice. I was practicing running in soft sands on the weekends during SEAL training, <laughs> just so I could get better. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a pivot. People say yeah. during, I mean, during some of the toughest training in the world, you're actually going out on the weekends and 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 running. And um, and I and yeah, you have to pivot. I think I think it's. 
it's one of those things. I, I kind of, I often say that you know, to achieve any goal, you have to be resolute in the outcome, but but flexible in the approach. And so, what that means is, as you're uh, as you're climbing towards it, and and this is where rock climbers can teach us a lot. You know, they they look at a, a face of a cliff or a mountain. They say, okay, I, and they kind of map out mentally or visually. Hey, I think I'm gonna go this way, this way, this way. But then they ha- they know they have to start climbing. You know, and as they climb, the footholds and the handholds will start showing up because now they're closer to it. And they recognize that the pathway they originally thought they were going to take might not, in fact, it's probably not the one that they actually take. And sometimes the next best foothold and handhold is like to the right and down, which means they have to they have to move away from their goal, which is the apex, mm. um, to get closer to it. Um, and so, so that's what pivoting, I think, really is. It's the it's the understanding that sometimes you have to lose sight of your goal or move away from it, so that you can, in fact, put yourself into a better position to achieve it. Um, and I think that's where we can start reframing what pivoting actually is. Rich, I think you're exactly right. Resolute in the outcome, flexible in the results. You have a goal, something you're striving for, understanding that it probably won't come in the package you expect it to, but being able to pivot, being able to move, shift, and continually move forward. And you've written a phenomenal book, Attributes. And I'm a harsh book critic, but yours is very, very good. Very good. I love how you look at things from different perspectives. And one thing you, I mean, you hone in on is it's attributes are what we want, is what we should be looking for, not necessarily skill sets. Can you dive yeah. deeper into the difference between attributes and skills? Yes, uh, because they get uh, conflated all the time. Um, and there's a distinct bifurcation between the two. Skills are not inherent to our nature, okay? we No one's born right. with the ability to throw a ball or <laughs> ride a bike or, or uh, drive a car. We, we, te- we, we learn how to do those things. We, we're taught how to do those things. They also direct our behavior in known and specific environments. Here's how and when to throw a ball or ride a bike. And then because they're kind of um, didactic and, and tangible, they're, they're easy to assess, measure, and test, right? You can score them. You can put stats around them. You can see how well anybody does any one of those things. Mm. And it's why that most um, most people selecting teams and building teams or businesses or, or even hiring, they get seduced by skill because you can see it, you can measure it, you can put it on resumes. And, um, and uh, yet skills don't tell us how we're going to show up and perform in uncertainty, challenge, and stress because when the environment becomes unknown and uncertain, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to apply a known skill. This is where we lean on attributes. Attributes are, in fact, more innate. All of us are born with the ability to uh, or, or at least levels of patience, resiliency, and adaptability. Um, certainly, they develop over time and, 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 and environment. However, you can see levels of this stuff in very small children. Um, attributes also inform the way we show up rather than direct our behavior. Uh, they, uh, you know, my or my son's levels of resilience and adaptability inform the way he showed up when he was learning how to ride a bike, learning the skill of riding a bike, and was falling off a dozen times doing so. Um, and then because they're hidden and they're kind of not that very visible, um, they are very difficult to assess, measure, and test. Um, you can't score them. It's, and it's very difficult to sit across the table from, an, from someone on in an interview, for example, and assess their level of patience or adaptability <laughs> or resilience. So, so they show up the most visibly and viscerally during times of challenge, uncertainty, and stress. And this is why it fascinates me because the attributes speak to what I call the elemental us, right? And, and, and I'm kind of fascinated with elemental human behavior. What is... What is that behavior that we um, that we uh, execute when we are really in the in the throes of of, of challenge? Um, you know, we all hear the saying. You know, it's it's in it's during times. It's during the really tough times, the challenging times, where the real us shows up, right? Well, I'm always fascinated. Okay, well, who the heck is the real us? And I was 
fortunate enough to be in environment and SEAL training, both going through it and running it myself, to see this, you know, have a laboratory where this is all happening because it was all about the real you. Uh, and so I think that's where it comes. It becomes very fascinating to me, and that's what the attributes talk about: is what what does that mean for all of us? Man, yeah, I love this. Like this is right down my wheelhouse. I've been blessed to train a lot of NBA players, and I can tell you from day one if they're going to be successful, not because of their skill set, because it's what I call the do I drag them to the gym or do they drag me to the gym? Their attributes, their their internal drive. So the question yeah. being is, can you teach? internal drive is that an attribute you're born with and you just develop it because this is it's honestly this is a selfish question because i like yeah. how do you teach killer instinct how do you teach drive <laughs> do you have any tips to that because i need them yeah no the answer is no you can't teach it so the the, thought, the idea is uh the way you determine whether or not it's a skill or an attribute is to ask uh, a question or two questions that is can i teach it or can it be taught if the answer is yes it's likely a skill if the answer is no, it's likely an attribute. So, for example, David, you could say, well, Rich, I want to learn how to shoot a pistol and hit a target every time, right? Well, you and I could go out to a range, and in about two hours, I could teach you how to do that. That's a skill, all right? Or you could say, hey, Rich, I, I want to learn how to be more patient, okay? Well, I can't teach you how to be more patient. I can't, you know, that, that's mm -hmm. to, to, to develop your patience takes self-motivation, self-direction, and a willingness on your part to step into environments of uncertainty and discomfort so that you may test and develop your patience. You have to go find environments to test your patience. So when it comes to drive, and so I, I break drive down into five distinct attributes because yeah. overall drive is a combination of things. It's not just one thing. And so those attributes that contribute to drive, which are self-efficacy, open-mindedness, discipline, cunning, and narcissism, um, those can't be taught. Those show up. And now anyone, any one person can develop any one of those attributes Id, if they choose to. But it's, it's entirely up to them as to whether or not they choose to do it. So obviously there are some people who are born with high levels um, that contribute to the fact that they are driven automatically. They're just driven human beings. It's because they have high levels of this. But anybody who feels like they're not very driven can in fact develop it. It just takes their own, their own fruition. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm glad you said that too, because I've been struggling with that. And then another thing, struggling with helping to teach people, like, can you teach killer instinct? Is there a formula to it? And you talk about 36 attributes in the book and how these can basically discern focus. And one of the things most people struggle from is being able to stay focused. And focused mm -hmm. in the storm, focused in when difficult times are happening, like you've been in so many with the Navy SEALs, like NBA players are on court when the pressure's on. What would you say, if you could pick a few of these 36 attributes, would be the most important that people can channel to be able to stay focused in the moment? Yeah. Well, so, so just quick, the 36 came from what I originally did in the SEAL teams. In the book, I only talk about 25, right. and it's, and it's right. important because 25, I wanted to make sure that they, they spoke to this idea of optimal performance, which we'll talk about, I know. But, um, and in those 25, I broke them into categories. So you have the grit ones, you have the ones that make up grit, the ones that make up drive, the ones that make yep. up uh, mental acuity, the ones that make up great leadership and great team ability. I would say for your question, with regard to your question of focus, it's the mental acuity attributes that contribute the largest to one's ability to focus because that really it speaks those those ones speak to how our how our brain processes the world um, and the information in the world so so you have situational awareness um, which is how much of the environment we are noticing okay our, our bodies 
our bodies um, take in about 11 million bits of information every second through all of our oh. five senses. Our frontal lobes can only process about 2,500, right? So, so our, we're automatically deselecting a bunch without even knowing it. The, the degree to which we notice that 2,500 is our level of situation awareness. So some people are more vigilant and have higher levels of situation awareness than others, right? I'm someone who naturally is more vigilant. I always have been. Obviously, my career hyper <laughs> developed that. Um, <laughs> so I walk around the city streets and I notice like people's hands, people's faces. I notice cars coming the opposite direction. I notice signs. I notice dark alleys. I notice that stuff, right? Whereas other people walk around and they're in la-la land, right? They don't notice anything. <laughs> now, there's no judgment, just the way it is. So that's the first thing is how much we're intaking through situation awareness. Then there's compartmentalization, which speaks to this, uh, this, um, this activity where our brain um, first assesses the information um, then prioritizes it and then, and, then, and then focuses on the top thing, right? So in other words, our brain is saying, okay, based on my current goal or objective, what about all this 2,500 bits matters, okay? And, that, and your brain basically comes up with a list and then say, okay, from that list, what is the mo- what are the, how do I prioritize? Nice. What's the most important thing? Okay, and then that top thing we focus on, right? So that's the ability to then focus. As you say, I'm going to focus on that, on that and only that until such a time where the environment changes or something changes where I have to switch, which is now we are into task switching. How effectively and efficiently can we switch focus, uh, between focus points, okay? Um, some people, when it comes to task switching, are really good at focusing in on something, but it's very hard once they're focused in to pull out and, and, and task switch, right? So my wife is like this. She's, yeah. She will, as soon as she gets into a project, I mean, she just dives in head. O- I mean, head over heels, like deep, right? And and all, a lot of a lot of what's around her <laughs> falls away, right? She doesn't yeah. notice, it, which is which is really phenomenal when you're trying to get something done. Other people task switch too much. They can't. It's hard for them to focus at all, right? Um, I would say you can train yourself because ideally you want to be able to focus enough so that you can pay attention for as long as you absolutely need to, either till completion or have a peripheral um, understanding of how the environment's changing so that if something changes on the periphery, you know that you need to switch focus, right? Um, this would be like, say you're, and I think I give this example in the book, you're, you're looking for a gate, you're, you're going to, towards a gate at the airport, right? You're late for a flight, okay? You are focused on the gate numbers, right? So as you, as you look for this gate, that's your, that's your primary focus, focus is, to, is to find this gate you're looking for. And as you're running, you're aware of the announcements coming and you hear over the announcements that your flight has been delayed okay well that means now you just if you if you're able to keep a little bit of an awareness now now you can shift focus you can come off that priority and and switch something else so that's kind of a that's kind of a way you could practice that and then the last one is learnability how effectively are we able to process all this stuff absorb it and then execute it inside of our own systems Um, how fast do we learn how fast do we pick up stuff right and so so again, admittedly, I'm actually lower on learnability. I've, I've, I've known this about myself, which means when I'm learning something, I have to repeat it a bunch of times. You know, I make the same mistake a couple times. Whereas other people, we know, you tell them something once and they got it. <laughs> you know, they, they, can, they yeah. can absorb it and get it rapidly. So, so again, it's, it's not so much where you, there's no judgment on where we fall on this. It's just understanding where you are, or where each one of us is, so that we understand where we're going to have to put more effort. Rich, this is fascinating. There's so much to unpack there, and I want to try to hit on these main points that you talked about. First off, you're Iron Man. Like, 
I, I, you probably heard it before. I think you might be Iron Man. You're like my friend Andrew Huberman. You're just spitting out knowledge. It's extremely, extremely high level. Who's in the book, by the way, who's also a friend, right? Yes, great so, dude. Yeah. Great dude. Uh, so you talked about multitasking and then complete focus and being able to use both types. And like, like for me, when I'm writing a book, I have to turn airplane mode. Like I have to just be completely locked in because I know if I get a message, I'm out of the zone for a little while. But I think mm -hmm. the best are able to multitask and be able to use these distractions to actually help them enhance what their goal is. And it sounds like that's what you're talking about through these 25 things. Like you literally, something comes at you and you filter it through the 25 attributes and figure out which one you need to put the most time into. Am I saying am I, yeah. am I saying that right? Yeah. No. I, th I think I think you're right. I, I mean, again, I would distinguish the mental acuity attributes from the other ones in terms of their okay. Okay. they're interrelated. Those four you can't really have one without the other, right? They're all right. all four of them are interrelated. Whereas, like, you don't necessarily need to um, have a lot of courage to practice adaptability or to practice humility or whatever. I mean, so so sometimes they're interrelated. Sometimes they're not. Um, when it comes to performance, I think you're correct. I think the ability to um, be focused and then but maintain a little bit of an awareness of your surroundings yeah. such that if the environment changes and the priorities change you can then shift focus so you're not so you're not forgetting uh, this is like okay I'm I'm working on my I'm writing you you're writing um, but suddenly your your dog or cat is howling because they're injured right or something and you're able to come out of that and, and address the, the 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 new mm. priority right mm. um, and, and so, and again, we can't, like Huberman and I have this conversation all the time. You can't, multitasking is a myth, right? Um, now he will say, and I, you know, I'm not gonna disagree with him because he's a, he's a neuroscientist, that, that the brain can focus on one thing and then maintain a, a slight awareness of one other thing. So in fact, it's not so much you can't focus on two things at once, it's kind of a, a deep focus and then maintain a slight awareness. He agrees though, as I do, that for layman's purposes, we can say overall, you're, we're, we're, we're only really able to deeply focus on one thing at a time. Now, someone might disagree with that and say, well, no, I can drive my car and listen to a podcast, right? However, it doesn't count when you've relegated the activity to your unconscious mind. Uh, we are able to do that because we're driving without thinking. So and good. I would say to anybody, I got you, right? But if you're listening to a podcast and you're driving and then suddenly someone swerves in front of you and you have to swerve out of the way and, and readjust and all that stuff, I guarantee you, you'll have to rewind the last 15 seconds of that podcast because you will have task switched. You will, your brain will have come off focus. So, so I think that's how that works. And I think if, you, if you're able to be in a focused uh, environment, I think I agree with you. If you really want to focus, if you're writing, turn off all the distractions that, that are kind of meaningless. Like you don't need to hear your text beeps or whatever. But maintain an awareness so that you know if the important stuff comes comes up. If there's a fire alarm, for example, mm. <laughs> you can task switch, yeah. right? Um, and I think that's where we get. And I think this is where athletes get it. You know, the athletes, um, I, the, the, the best athletes, in fact, it's funny because athletics are more skills-based than attributes-based. But we know the best athletes have a combination of both. Yeah. Uh, because we know there's some very talented skills-based people who aren't professional athletes. And it's because they don't have the attributes to combine them to. Um, athletes are able to shut off the crowd or shut off whatever they need to shut off so that they can kind of focus when they need to focus and perform, right? So that's a, it's a true, and I think that's where talent is. I think talent is a dynamic yeah. 
um, dance between attributes and skills. I think that's what talent actually is. Oh, that's so good. A dynamic dance. I'm going to need to play this one back like three times to get in the <laughs> learning process of this. And everybody listen to this. Listen to it again and again. Get Rich's book, Attributes. I was blown away by it. There's so much that I want to ask you, Rich. So you got to come out here to LA so we can hang out and I'll ask you all these questions. We'll hang with Huberman, bring him to Air One and we'll, we'll do all this. But the last one before we get into the rapid fire and wind down, do attributes help us judge character? Because I'll be openly admitting that I'm, a, I'm not a good judge of character. I've been burnt multiple times by people I thought I could yeah. trust in a lot over the past like few couple years. Do attributes, can they help us judge character? Well, so I, I would say character because people would say, hey, what are, what's the difference between attributes and character traits? And I think character... Um, I think attributes are more elemental. Okay, attributes mm. are kind of behavior-based. Character begins to um, uh, incur and add on things like experience, values, ideology, you know, environment. So character is something that's built uh, um, uh, and developed with a bunch of these things combined. Um, now, character is interesting because I think when we're talking about character and really trust, okay, and integrity, you know, integrity and trust are really, and, and integrity is kind of do the right thing and. Those things, those those um, trust is built through behaviors. I mean, you know, yeah. you know. In other words, you don't get to, you don't get to, or you don't, you can't make anybody trust you. All you can do is, is behave in a way that allows people to make a decision mm. to trust you. Trust is, in fact, a belief. It's a decision to believe to to. It's it's us deciding to trust someone else, right? And that's done based on the way we behave, right? So our behaviors then are what causes someone to trust us. Um, or uh, causes us to trust someone else, and so I think when we're when we're deciding, when we're making that decision to trust, we have to look at behaviors and attributes speak to behaviors. So I think they're all interrelated. We just have to start thinking about what are those attributes in in certain contexts that we are going to look at that will allow us to trust or make a good decision, right? Because the attribute list that makes up a great Navy SEAL is going to look different than the attribute list that makes up a great. A teacher or a team of doctors or a Cub Scout troop, right? So, so whatever that list looks like, then you say, okay, what are the behaviors associated with those attributes? And that's what you look to to then say, okay, this is what I, this is what this is what I'm going to use my ability to judge on. And then finally, if you look at overall character and integrity, do the right thing. Do the right thing, like I talk about in the book, is contextual, right? Do the right thing means something different for one group than it does yes. for another group. Yes. I mean, it's, you know, ISIS believes they're doing the right thing. <laughs> truly, they are. They yeah. are. They truly believe they are righteous. Okay, so 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 we have to make sure that we are understanding what to do the right thing, what the meaning of that is for the group we're in. And if we're making that decision, we understand what we feel like the meaning is for us, and then see if people model that. If people model that, we say, okay, this is someone I can, I can trust because their definition of do the right thing is the same as mine. So, man, that's so well said. Everything is personalized and customized. Your attributes are going to be different. There's no just cookie cutter way. I'm so glad you said that. Okay, like I said, I could ask you questions for days, but respect for your time. We're going to jump into the rapid fire, throw you on the hot seat, quick answers, whatever comes to your mind, Rich. The first one I have for you is, do you have a favorite mindset quote that you live by? A mantra maybe you had growing up, something on your fridge, on your bathroom mirror that really stands out. I feel like you have a lot of them. The dynamic dance, that was beautiful. Any other? Well, I have, I have, yeah. There's many. One of the things, one of the quotes I love was Einstein. Is Einstein's quote, and that is, um, uh, he says, "Everybody's a genius, uh, but if you if you try to if you try to if you spend time trying to teach a fish how to climb a tree, 
that fish will spend its whole <laughs> life thinking it's an idiot, right? And so I love oh. that quote because it speaks about context. Um, and it speaks about we all have, you know, I always say we're all human beings, and I, I use the automobile relation. We're all auto, we're all cars, but some of us are SUVs, some of us are Jeeps, some of us are Ferraris. Love it. And there's no judgment there because the Ferrari can do things the Jeep can't do, and the Jeep can do things the Ferrari can't do. And I think that quote speaks to that fact, as we, we all have an, an engine, an, inter, an engine that allows us to do certain things. Um, I am pretty good in certain contexts. I'm a doofus. I'm a complete doofus in other contexts, and that's like all of us. So I think that that's one of my favorites. That's a beautiful quote. Rich, what does leaving a legacy mean to you? Not necessarily what the world says it is or on a billboard, but what does true legacy mean to you? Uh, I, for me, it means a contribution to discovery and exploration that advances our Oof. advances our, our not only our species, but our whole world. I mean, we're all connected. Animals, you know, plants, you know, yep. humans, just as a, as a planet. Every, anything that, that, that helps us move forward as a, as a planetary system, I think that's a, that's a beautiful legacy to leave. I love it. So well said. You know that feeling you get when you just wake up and you are not rested or recharged? Yeah, we all have it. We all go through it. How do I wake up with full energy every single day? It is literally the game changer itself, chilly sleep. I have an Uller that goes underneath my mattress and cools my body temperature to the ideal temperature to get deep sleep, REM, high HRV scores. Now, I have mine pretty cold, about 57 degrees. The optimal level is between 57 and 65 degrees. I have a weighted blanket, which just cools my body, and I'm just sleeping in restorative sleep. So when I wake up in the morning, no matter how many hours I get, I am juiced up and ready to go. And lucky for you, you can wake up the same way. The people at Chili Sleep are giving you a discount, giving you a code. So go to chilitechnology.com forward slash pages forward slash David Nurse to get your special discount pricing there. Remember, that is chilitechnology.com forward slash pages forward slash David Nurse. Or just click the link below and it'll take you right there. It's sleep like a polar bear. Tonight, get the best night's sleep of your life. Chilly sleep. Okay, here's a fun one for you, Rich. If you're at a dinner party and you have three people you can invite, dead or alive, you want to hang out with conversationally, who are you inviting and what are you eating? Tough um, all right, well, no, sushi, question. I love sushi the most, so that's probably, we could probably yes. serve sushi. Okay. I go to all Japan right. all the time. Next time, come on with me. <laughs> Uh, all right, Carl, Carl Sagan, he's a hero mm -hmm. of mine. Um, I just, the, the way he thinks, I would love to have a conversation with him. Um, uh, Morahai Yoshiba, who's the founder of Aikido. Um, I, you know, I love the martial art Aikido. I'm not an Aikidoist, and I'm not here to speak to the efficacy of the martial art, but I love his uh, life. His life is fascinating. His philosophy on life is fascinating. Um, and honestly, just kind of a childhood hero that I had because I love flying was Chuck Yeager. Nice. <laughs> so, nice. And I know they're all dead, but um, but yeah, I, those are three people who I'd love to. There's many more, but those yeah. are three people I'd love to talk to. Rich, I'll be honest, um, th that group has never been said together on this before, so you are one of a kind. <laughs> that is a very deep-thinking well, group, and we're eating sushi. Which which kind? Uni sushi? Are you a real sushi guy and like the the raw type? Or are you more of a roll guy? 
Oh no, I'm yeah, I, I like the raw type. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if I'm it. not I'm not like puffer fish type sushi, <laughs> but you know I'm not like risky sushi. But you know, <laughs> risky sushi. Yeah. I think risky sushi is if you eat it in the Midwest. That's risky sushi. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Hey, what's next for you, Rich? What gets you fired up when you wake up every morning, jump out of bed? What is just just juicing you up? Well, it's, I mean, right now it's about this book and it's about building the business around the book. Yeah, I mean, it's, totally. um, I think, you know, for me, you know, it feels like it's been out for a while, but it's only been out since January. And wow. I, I guess it's because I've been writing it for a while. So, um, so yeah, I think the attributes, uh, you know, getting it out to people, proliferating it to people and letting people start to understand their own human engines and therefore their own human potential, I think is exciting. Nice. And so, so we're going to work on that for a while and, um, and see how many, how many people we can help. Rich, I'm here to help you anyway. The listeners are here to help you anyway. How can we all follow you, support you, where to find the book, all that good stuff? Yes, fantastic. I'm, well, I'm on Instagram, rich underscore Divini um, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, um, the website, uh, theattributes.com. Uh, anybody can go there. They can find my handles there, but also they can get the book there. And we have a free assessment tool. So you can go on there and, and take, the, take the assessment and get a score on your grid attributes, your drive attributes, and your mental acuity attributes, um, and see where you stand. It's a snapshot only. It's an introspective test. It's really for you to think about yourself. And it's once you get those scores, it's a comparison to a, a data set. So just mm. the idea is to take those scores and use those as a as a starting point to start to examine where you might fall on these attributes. Um, but yeah, theattributes.com, you can find that and pick up the book. I would recommend, if possible, read the book before you take the assessment, but that's not necessary. So. Dude, I love that. You give people tools to be able to use, not just a book about learning, but you're giving them actionable things to do. That's big time. Everybody, yeah. get the book right now. Drop what you're doing and get this book. I, <laughs> I promise you, you will be well pleased that you did. Rich, last one I have for you, man, before we let you off here. If you had one piece of advice, a drop-the-mic advice, something quick, something short to give to somebody who feels stuck in their situation, feels like they can't get out, what would you tell them? Uh, I'm going to use the saying that, that we say in the seals, and I saw, I'll say, "Control your three-foot world." Okay, and oh, and, and without getting into the into the intricacies of that, in any in any environment of uncertainty, all right, um, you must first ask yourself the question, um, "What do I understand?" Okay, and then from that list, say, "What can I control in this moment?" And whatever that is, that could be a big one, it could be a big step, it could be a small step, it could be, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm going to." just get to the end of this day or week, or I would say, hey, I'm going to get to the end of this minute, or I'm going to take 10 deep breaths, all right? But, but you can take control of uncertainty by controlling what you can control, and that's how, we, that's how it happens in combat. You, you control what you can control in the moment, and, um, and that's how you step through challenge, uncertainty, and stress. So, so control your three-foot world. Rich, you are a stud, man. You're amazing. Thank you for coming on the Pivot and Go podcast. And you know what I really love about you is you give people confidence to be able to be who they are. You're not saying you have to be one certain way. It's accepting yourself, but also knowing that, hey, you can have this drive to be the best version of yourself without having to worry necessarily about, you know, like if someone thinks this is the right way or that's the right way. But, but literally, like being able to embrace who you are and daily taking those steps to get there. So I just, I love all that you do, Rich. So thank you so much for your time. It was amazing. Well, thank you, David. It's a, it's a pleasure. And yeah, well, let's definitely, uh, let's definitely keep in touch and um, we'll, we'll, we'll have a beer and, and a meal together when we're next time I'm on the West Coast or you're on the East. Boom. Absolutely, brother. Thank you so much. Pivot and go.